What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that make them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everybody. The final two episodes are live right now. Or you can binge watch the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Prospects 101. This is the show where we break down football prospects from all levels. We're talking high school recruiting, talking college transfers. We're talking NFL prospects and, of course, the NFL draft. And as always, Prospects 101 is brought to you by our great partners and big supporters of the show, Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. Remember, you can interact with Prospects 101 on social media. That's at Prospects. 101 pod and we're on facebook twitter instagram a great way to stay up to date with the show as we release new content uh you know i think we're up to like three or four shows a week that we're releasing out there so great way to understand what's going on what we're working on and of course great uh recruiting and uh college football content uh every week as we release now uh two-man show today as i'm joined by my co-host brandon pastel Okay, stop, stop, stop. Before we get into the AAC breakdown prospects, Glustin, you got some big news. You are now engaged as of this past Saturday. <laughs> Tell me how it feels, man. Were you nervous? That's right. That's right. Uh, not really. Not, not really. I mean, I've been working on it for so long. I've been working on it since, uh, I mean, I, I knew in November that I was going to do it and then really got started in like the February time frame and then COVID hit and then just getting everything together, so not really, other than I don't really remember what I said when I did it, but um, I think uh, I think it was close. I, I said what was important, which was, will you marry me, because well, she, said, she yes, said yes, so. well, she said yeah, so at least I got that out, but as far as anything else, I had like eight things I wanted to say, and then uh, I don't think any of it came out. It, just, it was just a blur. I was just trying to make sure everything was perfect. I had a photographer to like capture Speaking all of it. But it speaking was of, speaking yeah. of, I told the listeners last time that uh, the the photographer was a little bit late or was almost late. Was that? I mean, how how close was that? Yeah, well, so we get up to the spot where I was going to go do it, and I'm just kind of looking out of my peripherals, trying to like find her to make sure that like she was there because I I told her don't text me, uh, make sure you just email me if anything because I have my phone on me and sometimes my now fiance and I are looking at my phone at like you know, on Instagram or stupid videos, like whatever. And so I didn't want like a text message to come up, you know, as like we're driving out there or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I'm in so, yeah, exactly. Like, so I had no idea. And then I kind of, I go, I, I actually walk up to the spot I was going to do it at. And there was another photographer like setting up. Oh, no way. Yeah. There was another photographer setting up. So I was like, Oh shoot, man. So I like, 
I luckily had a backup spot. So I actually had three spots that I could have done it at. So it was good. I did my homework. Contingencies I was, I was, plans. I like it. I had contingencies upon contingencies. <laughs> so I go up to that spot and just kind of like look at it, looks at the, the James River. And then to the right, you can see the skyline of Richmond. To the left, you can see the, the bend of the James. And, um, you know, it was on top of the hill. So it was nice. And then uh, kind of my peripherals were just kind of like chatting and looking at the river. And then I just – I, I saw her walk up and like hide, so I was like, "All right, we're good to go now." So, <laughs> and then it happened, and then uh, you know we had a we had a bunch of people surprise her at a urban winery here in Richmond. It was just kind of a, just a big party the rest of the day. So definitely a weekend to remember, man. A lot Got of work it. went into it, but it all went on off without a hitch. So that hey, was man. exciting. She said yes at the end of the day. Like that's the most important thing. So super excited that for you true. and Caitlin, dude. It's true. It's good stuff, man. Well, I wish you could have been there, but I understand that you have your own ex- extenuating <laughs> circumstances. So I understood why you couldn't make it. It's all good. But uh, let, let's get down to some football. So, you know, sticking on our – our conference previews and breakdowns, like I said, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, episode released this, talked about um, the AAC. Uh, I actually love the AAC, Pastel. I think the AAC out of all G5 conferences is actually my favorite. I think the schools in there, I think the diversity of offenses in there, I, it just it, the, the amount of schools that could possibly make the playoffs are the best when it comes to the, G, uh, the G5 conferences. I mean, you're talking about some heavy hitters here. You're talking about Memphis, who made a Cotton Bowl last year. You're talking about Cincinnati, uh, which has been a program that's on the rise, and Luke Fickle, obviously everything that he's doing there is extremely impressive. Houston, over the last five years, or probably the last ten years, a little bit faded as of recently is always a solid football program. University of Central Florida, they are, and luckily Kenny's not on here, but they are the unofficial national championship <laughs> champions. Kenny I love it. So much. I love it. You have them there. And then, of course, you have the Naval Academy, which over the last 20 years has been extremely solid when it comes to consistency and winning and, and, and you know, eight, nine, ten win seasons. Kenny Amatololo and everything that they have there. So there's a really a lot to like about this conference. Again, out of all G5 conferences, this is by far my favorite. It has some of the best NFL talent. I think it has the best NFL talent when it comes to G5. And I think you could challenge some lower power five conferences as far as the talent that they have. And it's extremely competitive. So let's jump right in, Brandon. Again, this is, you know, we've already done the conference preview, so it's not really going to be about that. But tonight, is all about the prospects, right? And who are the top players that, from the AAC that you could see playing on Sunday? So best draft-eligible prospect, and let's take Kenneth, Kenneth Gainwell out of it from Memphis because we're going to talk about him plenty tonight. Um, as I, I think from a running back perspective, he's probably the best running back prospect, if not the best offensive prospect in the AAC. But technically, he still has another year. So we want to – Put him aside. So who's the best draft-eligible offensive prospect that you see here out of the AAC? Yeah, and, and good point, Gless. I mean, I do think Kenneth Gainwell is probably the best offensive weapon. Draft-eligible, I mean, someone that's going to be a high-round pick in the upcoming draft. So outside of him, what I've noticed with the, with the talent in the ACC, AAC, sorry, is there's a lot of talent, but nothing really very high-end. So I'm, everything I'm looking at really is probably – Late second, third, fourth round, but a lot of players in, in that middle round uh, player. So the one guy that I think jumped off, jumps off the board to me is Reggie Roberson, the wide receiver from SMU. Uh, he's about six foot, 200 pounds, runs about a 4'4 speed. 
He's got some big shoes to kind of replace. And James Prochet, remember, he's the receiver that got drafted last year, I believe, by the, the Baltimore Ravens. He pretty much broke every school record uh, last year. So James – or sorry, so Reggie Roberson comes in here. And if you remember last year, really for the first eight games, he led in receptions. He led in yards. Not James Prochet, but Reggie Roberson. And then he got hurt uh, as a season-ending foot, uh, foot injury, which really kind of ascended and propelled uh, James Prochet to be that leading receiver again for SMU. So you look at the last two years of Reggie Roberson, he had about 45, 50 catches both years, 800 yards receiving, and about six, or six touchdowns both years. But again, one year it was 13 games, and then last year it was really about seven and a half games. So Pro Football Focus had him as like one of the, the top five receivers going into week eight last year out of all the receivers, out of these most ridiculous wide receiver classes that we've seen this year and then last year, he was like fifth overall wide receiver according to Pro Football Focus going into like week eight. So that just kind of shows you, of course, we talk about the advanced analytics of what they viewed him as. They also had him uh, tied with Jamar Chase for the highest deep receiving rate in the FBS. Like we're talking about the elite levels of Jamar Chase. He, I mean, Jamar Chase wasn't even – I mean, he was the best receiver in college football as a sophomore last year. So when we start throwing names like that, that kind of just kind of brings a little bit of a serious level, a level to Reggie Roberson saying, like, how good of a player he is. He's got to stay healthy. Uh, that's kind of been the question mark with him. He's got to be a little bit more consistent with his hands. He had a 15% drop rate uh, two years ago. He, he lowered that down to about 12 or 13% last year. So I would like to see him kind of get that under 10% next year. If he's able to get that underneath 10%, same Bouchelle coming back at quarterback, he's going to be the number one receiver there's no reason that he won't have 1,200, 1,300 yards next year and that kind of a potent of an offense. And if he's able to do that, match that production with his skill set, yeah, I can see a, I can see a, a second-round grade on Reggie Roberson. I may think he's got that type of ability. There was one guy that I was going to say over him, and that's uh, DeMonte Coxie, the wide receiver for Memphis. He's six foot three, 197, and he's got all the production in the world. He has 76 and 72 yards uh, combined with about – 2,400 yards receiving over the last two years. I didn't want to quite put him over Reggie Roberson, though, because I think he's pretty much tapped out on his potential. Like, I think he's about as fluid as you can get in route running. I think he's about as fast as he's going to get, which is only probably about a 4-6 speed. I just think he's very good college receiver, that he's going to be an okay red zone threat, you know, catches 600 yards at the NFL level, like an okay receiver. But if I look at one player that's going to really ascend himself as a star athlete outside of Kenneth Gainwell, Reggie Roberson from SMU. I like that. Certainly, the the Sunny the Sunny Dykes led um, uh, SMU program had a great season last year, ten and three and six and two in conference, and really propelled uh, by a, an outstanding offense. So I expect Reggie Roberson to have an outstanding uh, twenty twenty season, simply just because that offense is extremely favorable for what they want to do. Now, Pastel, obviously injuries are part of the game, uh, but you know the more we do these prospect shows, the more that this theme comes up where we see one or two guys that really had a great 2018 and then 2019 it was pretty lackluster due to injuries or it was just a down season. So who are one or two guys uh, who fans kind of need to put the radar on, need, need to take a look at and, and, and know who's there who maybe had a great 2018 or and that were maybe injured in 2019 or had a down year? Okay, yeah, I'll give you uh, two or three guys. First guy, James Wiggins. If you remember him, he was a uh, safety from Cincinnati. He's six foot two oh five, and if you want to talk about a workout warrior, this guy is a freakish. And I say 
freakish athlete. He had a 4-4 speed, 37-inch vertical, 11-foot broad jump. Meanwhile, he's also benching 405 pounds, squatting 675 pounds. Like, this guy goes into the the weight room at only 205 pounds, mind you, and just outlifts pretty much everybody. It's unbelievable for somebody with his size and his frame to be that kind of a workout warrior and then meet it with his production on the field. I mean, this guy was a ball-hawking type of safety. He had four picks in 2018 to go along with five pass breakups. He had 54 tackles. Now, this is all his sophomore year. His sophomore year, after that year, there was consideration about him, you know, having, I mean, some of the articles I was reading, like, there was potential for first-round ability on this kid. And then he he misses his last year with the torn ACL uh, right before camp. A guy like this, I, I mean, people had a high grade on him before. I think he's got to prove that, I mean, recovering from ACL injury isn't like it used to be where you never knew if he was going to return the same. There's been guys that have actually returned in better condition with the rehab programs that guys go through these days. So James Wiggins, workout warrior, had a very solid sophomore year. I would love to see him come back healthy. And, again, this guy was, like, always supposed to be good. He was a one-time Miami commit, and then he chose to recommit to University of Cincinnati. So he was kind of, like, a big-time athlete in high school as well. So I think he's one player to keep your eye on, on the, the dominant, by the way, the dominant Cincinnati Bearcats defense, where – I can argue there's two other safeties there that could be drafted next year as well. Like this this backfield. And you know the best player, by the way, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but the best player uh, is Amar, Ahmad Gardner, and he's not even draft eligible next year. He's going to be a true sophomore, and that's their best defender next year. And I'm talking about other guys in their secondary that could be potential second, first-round picks. It's unbelievable what Cincinnati is bringing to the table next year from a, from a draft eligible, eligible standpoint as well. Another guy, T.J. Carter. The cornerback from Memphis, he's 5'11", 190. Now, he played most of the last year. Like, he, he earned all AAC selection. And I say that because he did – he got hurt. He didn't play in the Cotton Bowl. And I think he's one of those guys that I'm a little bit lower on than I think some people are. So, like, pro football focus, again, we use them uh, quite a bit as far as, like, that advanced analytics. They love him. They had him as, like, a top-five corner uh, coming into this year. And – I can't quite put him there. Like, I see him closer to, like, a late second, early third-round player. He's in my top ten corners maybe. But I think they like him so much is because he was never targeted last year. So two years ago, he was targeted 93 times in 2018. Last year, he only got targeted 41 times. And he only allowed 22 catches. Like, can you imagine that? Like, only – could you imagine crazy. playing football, man, and never actually playing? Like, no one ever throws That's the right. ball your way. Like, <laughs> that kind of sucks in a sense of, like, yeah. you're that good that no one throws it your way. Uh, but just – he never gives up the big play. He's uh, very consistent in that. He's got – he's very smooth in his back pedal, very balanced. Uh, he's got good press coverage. The thing with him is, like, in his off-man uh, zone coverage, I think he gets away too, too much cushion. I think that does go against the, what he na- lacks naturally from an athletic standpoint. And that might be a reason why he doesn't give up the big play as well. He gives a lot of cushion. So there's a lot of underneath routes that they're able to complete on him when they are when he is targeted. Now, that, again, that is very rare. And so bottom line, I just think his skill set, his size, limits him a little bit, but not to the point where I think it's going to be crazy. I think he needs to have a good, healthy year this upcoming year, and I can see him, you know, fighting for an a early day two pick. I, I, I can't put him in the day one pick like I've heard other columnists uh, say about him. But, again, still a phenomenal player, great for that Memphis defense. And then one honorable mention, and that's the uh, Temple guard, Vincent Picosi. He's a six foot four, 305-pound guard. He only played in nine games last year and was still first-team All-AAC. Like, this guy was wow. dominant, like dominant. Uh, so I think this is another guy, like, come back from injury, show that you can do it again, 
uh, have the production level that you had for your first three years, and you will absolutely be drafted as a mid-round pick. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, some really great nuggets there. Uh, just to clarify, James Wiggins from Cincinnati, correct? Correct. What, what did I say? I'm sorry. You said Memphis at the end. Just wanted to get, give give our uh, give our listeners right with So that's James Wiggins from Cincinnati. You got confused with TJ Carter, who is from Memphis, who yeah, you covered sorry. earlier there. So no, no worries. So, um, Pastor, I want to switch it just a bit. I want to talk about a guy that I could see being a Pro Bowl type of player at the next level. I think the easy, I think the easy answer here uh, sometimes is going to gain well, but we are going to talk about him later. So I, w- I do want to talk about another guy. We haven't covered him uh, on another podcast, and I think we've done our listeners a disservice because I absolutely love this kid. Uh, that's Richie Grant from UCF, six foot one ninety five. He's one of the best safeties in all of college football. Very high, highly rated by Pro Football Focus. He's a hard hitter. Awesome closing speed, an incredible tackler, and he's your prototypical one high safety. He plays hashes to hashes. He's got fantastic ball skills, and he's able to cover uh, really that middle of the field and really shut it down. I really love his size. I think he plays a lot bigger than his six foot 195 frame. You know, when I was looking at some film of him uh, today, it just, I, I see his measurables right here, and then I watch his film, and he plays so much bigger than that. Uh, extremely physical guy. I can absolutely see this guy playing on Sundays and being a an extremely impactful player at the next level, and definitely a guy that we haven't talked about. Yeah, it's a shame too because I've seen this guy. I've seen some people's charts have him as a top five safety in next year's draft. Now, I think the safety class next year is ridiculously strong. Um, so I think if anything, that might limit him a little bit. But he's got the like you said it less. He's got the perfect size, the perfect intangibles. Um, and he's just done it from a productive level for so many years now that I don't have any question marks about him. I think he's going to come in and be an immediate player for whatever team he plays for. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he's a, 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 a in my opinion, he reminds me, um, you know, a little bit of Earl Thomas, uh, probably just a little bit better size wise, but just the way he's able to cover and range. Uh, so I take a look at him. I think a situation like Seattle makes perfect sense. Team that plays a ton of one high. Uh, whether it's cover three, cover one, but really show that that one safety in the middle of the field. So keep an eye out for Richie Grant. Like I said, Pastel and I both love this kid. Uh, we think he can really make a huge impact at the next level and a Pro Bowl type of safety uh, for sure. Now, kind of switching gears here, Brandon, let's talk a little quarterback. There's a lot of experience in this conference at the quarterback position. You got Brady White. You got, um, uh, I always botch his last name, uh, Shane Bechet. Is it Bechet? Bichelle. Bichelle. Yeah. Uh, Holton Ayers, you got Desmond Ryder, you got Zach Smith at Tulsa, Anthony Rosso at Temple. So what quarterbacks out of this very extremely talented and experienced group do you see getting drafted? And is there anyone here that has the potential to be a day one pick? What is up, Prospect 101 fans? Guess what? Sports are finally coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's absolutely no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action on this week's big UFC fight, or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and even the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has the future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Uh, uh, short answer, no. There, there's no one here that I think could be a first-round pick. And 
I would argue even in a weak quarterback draft, I don't think there would be a first-round pick, but absolutely not next year. I mean, dude, there's, next year's draft is going to be so star-studded, but the quarterback position itself as well. I mean, you got Jamie Newman. You got uh, Lance uh, – Trey Lance from North Dakota State. You got uh, Justin Fields. You got Trey, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, dude, you got so many players. Morgan from Minnesota, so many players that there's no way I don't think one of these Brock guys. Purdy, Iowa State. Brock Purdy. Is another one. I mean, yeah. So there's, there's guys I think with potential, but not guys with not guys with that type of potential. So there's two guys that I would say are in a class of their own at this point, and that's Sam Bouchelle and also Brady White. Now, these are very similar quarterbacks. Like, you can almost switch out the name, put it in. I mean, the production was absolutely the same. They both passed for about – uh, 4,000 yards last year and around 34 touchdowns. Like, it's amazing how similar their stat line is, and it's amazing how similar they're – what they're good at. So, uh, Shane Bouchelle, remember, he's that one-time Texas player. He was one of the first freshmen that I ever start at the University of Texas, only to get beat out by – oh, man, uh, Ellinger for Texas right now. Yep. Like, yeah, he got so, beat out by Ellinger. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, this guy – and he was a stud his freshman year. So, I think he's one of those guys. He got hurt at Texas, and he kind of just lost his starting position and never gained it back. Uh, but since he's came over and started running the air raid offense over here at SMU, and he's been a stud. Like I said, he rushed, already passed for 3,900 yards, 34 touchdowns, and 10, or 10 picks. He's got a good arm strength. I think he's got better arm strength than Brady White, but not by much. Like, I think when I say strong arm strength, I'm talking like he can throw about 55 yards. Nothing that's crazy out there, but it's good enough. Like, it's good enough to be in the NFL to make good throws. He's got good accuracy, good anticipation. He's able to create more time with his feet than I thought initially. I went back and watched the actual SMU versus Memphis game uh, last year, and I was actually kind of surprised how well he's able to move in the pocket. So that's more of a pro than I thought he actually had. And some of the cons, he's got a weird throw motion. Like, it's a little bit long and a little bit sideways. And not I just you, you don't see that too often in the NFL. You see, you've seen it work some, but it's just one, one of those throw motions I, I question, I guess, a little bit. Uh, and then just his overall physical traits. I mean, he, he's six one. He's only two oh seven. Like he's a smaller quarterback. He's a lighter quarterback. Uh, I think he needs to gain a little bit of weight. We'll see what happens with him. I think he's probably fifth round grade potential, especially because he's going to have when you hit, he's going to have another four thousand yard passing season. Well, assuming they played thirteen games. So I guess whatever that mathematical equation is, take away the non conference games, and it'd be equivalent to a four thousand yard season. He's going to be absolutely explosive with that offense, like I said, with Reggie Roberson coming back. So I think someone's going to take a flyer on him. And Brady White's in the same exact boat. He's 6'1", 215. It's a little bit more thicker. He might be closer to 6'2", as well as so maybe just an inch taller. He's very efficient. He's got probably got better accuracy than Shane Bouchelle, uh, but not a strong arm. But he reads defenses very well. I mean, dude, he's a, he's a, a redshirt senior. He's been around the block for a, a day or two as well. And he's a transfer from Arizona State. I think coming over from uh, Mike Norvell's uh, days yep. when he was the offense coordinator at Arizona State. So he's another guy limited a little bit size-wise, not the strongest arms, but he's very good with his accuracy. Like I, I compare guys like this to Andy Dalton quite a bit because it shows that you can be a Pro Bowl quarterback in the NFL. Like It is possible if you don't have the strongest arm. You just have to be very good uh, with your, your reads, your anticipation, and you have to be very accurate. And then hopefully you got a good line because we saw what happened in Cincinnati when he lost that line. So both guys, I think fifth-round players, Jake Fromm, another guy that comes to my mind, he was a fifth-round player this past year, or maybe sixth to the Buffalo Bills. So that's really where I see Shane Bouchelle and Brady White. All those other guys you mentioned, undrafted free agents in my opinion. I mean, Ritter, he's got, he's got one more year uh, at Cincinnati, so he's got, 
he's got another year to I mean, so he's gonna be a junior this year, so he's got two more years to kind of really develop his game, which he needs it from a passing standpoint. So these are the two guys I think you really need to keep your eye out for. Gotcha. Okay. Uh that's great. Now I will say this, Pastel. The last Memphis quarterback that was taken, do you remember who that is? Oh man, it was the guy that uh Fuente coach, uh, Paxton Lynch, first round Paxton uh, Lynch. pick from uh yeah, Busto. Broncos. Busto. Yeah. Uh, Brady Brady White's who he's following let me just put it this way. He should be he should outperform Paxton Lynch, I would think. I think, I think he probably has a better as better shot. I mean, Paxton Lynch was awful. And Paxton Lynch didn't even get a lot of chances on the field because he was so bad in practice. So well, I'll, just I'll something to this, think about. <laughs> I'll say this one thing too. Like accurate quarterbacks tend to stay around. If you just have a huge arm and you can't ever, like, harness that accuracy, they're like flashes in the pan. They last for a year or two. A coach picks them up thinking he's that guy that can change it. But those guys are out of the league in three or four years. If you're an accurate quarterback, you tend to find yourself in the league for eight, nine years because you can always be a solid backup and someone that can come in and, you know, they can run the playbook and be efficient with the football and not turn it over. So guys like these two players, Brady White and uh, Shane Bouchelle, I could see being in the league for eight or nine years, whether they're a star or not, they're going to be have a good, at least a backup career to the next level. For sure. Well, Brandon, let's start, let's start handing out awards. What do you say? Do you like let's awards? Do it, man. I like I awards. Love awards. Let's, let's hand out some awards. So uh, I'll go uh, a little bit of rapid fire, but, but we'll make sure that we spend some time on each one of these. So let's go uh, first one, best pass rusher in the AAC. So I had to do a little bit more research on this one because I thought – I was going to pick the player from uh, Tulane on this, and I watched a little bit more game tape. And, Gless, you're going to love this guy, Diego Fago. He's the linebacker from Navy. And, dude, he's got, like, the horse collar look. He's, oh, it's my dude, he's favorite. He's a scary-looking guy. Like, he brings his lunch pail to work every single day. But the thing is with him is he's got the size. Like, he, he's, like, six foot three, 235 pounds, and it's just a freaking monster. Like, he can't be blocked coming up the middle, man. It is unbelievable. I think he had five and a half. Uh, sacks last year. Yeah, he had five and a half sacks last year, and he had over 100, yard, 100 tackles. So the production's there. Uh, he's got the sacks to go with it, and then he's got the size and the tools. So long story short, not to dive into it too much, but this guy for Navy is the real deal, man. And if he's, if he's allowed to go to the, to the league, which it sounds like that they're allowing players from the academies now to go to the league and try that out and then do some type of uh, reserve contract afterwards, you're going to see him on Sundays, my man. Love it. That's great. I, I I love it when you plug a, an academy player in there. I think that's great. Uh, best playmaking ability? Well, we talked about him earlier, man. Kenneth Gamewell. From from a receiving standpoint and from a running standpoint, I mean, you don't rush for 1,500 yards and uh, pass catch for about 500 and not have your name on this list. You, if you have 2,000 total yards as a true freshman or a restaurant freshman, whatever it is, in the AAC, yeah, you're probably the best playmaking player in the AAC. Let's talk fastest player. Fast. Speed, Cheetah, <laughs> who you got? Hey, Speedy. That's uh, Marcus right. Stevenson. He's uh, a.k.a. Speedy from Houston. And we talked about him a little bit in our last segment in the conference preview. I absolutely love this guy. He's got some injury problems as well. With his collarbone that broke at one point. He had a leg injury there as well. But if that offense can somehow establish a quarterback in some type of continuity that it 100% locked last year. This guy's going to return to his 2018 form, which people were talking about day two potential. Like, this guy is absolutely extremely fast. He's also very productive, had a little bit of a down year last year. I kind of blame that on the Derek King fiasco and some of these other things that happened within that program. But fastest player, a.k.a. Speedy. That's Marcus Speedy. I like it. <laughs> Best ball hawk. I, uh, so I, I touched on him a little bit earlier. This guy is not draft eligible. 
but he's probably the best defensive back in the AAC. Mm. That's Ahmad Gardner, dude, and he was freshman All-American beside, right beside Stingley from LSU, my man. Like, it, it was him and Stingley, the best two freshman defensive backs in college football, and we all talk about Stingley being – people thought he, as a true freshman last year, was the best defensive back in all of college football. Now, I'm not saying Ahmad uh, Gardner is that guy, but, man, he's not far behind. Like, this guy is not lasting past his junior year. Wow, big praise from the former safety, Brandon Pastel. I like it. <laughs> big praise from the former defensive back. Uh, best offensive lineman? Uh, this one's a little bit tougher for me. Uh, I'm just not very good at evaluating offensive linemen yet. Uh, so I have to go a little bit more on your word uh, and then a little bit on what the scouts say. But from all signs pointing towards this guy is Jalen Thomas Jr., the offensive tackle from SMU. He sounds like he's a very consistent player, uses his hands well. Uh, he's not – He's, he's good, obviously, in pass blocking, which you kind of have to be in that offense. Um, I think I would like to see a little bit more in his run blocking game. But outside of that, I think he's going to be a very surefire, I don't know, fourth, fifth round pick next year. Gotcha. Well, now let's talk about the guy I think you and I want to talk about. You know, we, we probably spend five minutes on him just because he is so impressive. Uh, and that's Kenneth Gainwell. I, in my opinion, he's the best player in the conference, uh, 5'11". 191 running back out of Memphis. Such an impressive athlete. Pastel, he rushed for almost 1,500 yards, led all freshmen in the FBS. Last year, he's a dark horse Doke, uh, Doke Walker Award candidate. And yeah. there's no doubt in my mind he'll be an early, early round pick and certainly in discussion in the 2022 draft. Again, he's not eligible. Well, no, sir. He's a redshirt sophomore. I just looked that oh, up. Oh, so he is eligible. He is oh, technically okay. eligible. I thought he was a, uh, okay, I thought he, that he was a true sophomore. So, Okay, so he is eligible for the 2021 should he decide to declare. Now, he doesn't have to, um, and certainly a lot will depend on what running backs are coming out. I mean, it's a stacked running back class here in 2021. So uh, he may just opt to stay and take his chances in 2022. But – Pat, he really reminds me kind of a lighter Dalvin Cook. I really love his vision. I love his explosion. And you get him in the open field, one of the things I absolutely can't talk more about is his ability to pull away from guys. He's got that pull-away speed. So let's talk a little Kenneth Gainwell. Dude, I mean, <laughs> without saying all the stats again, man, I think the one thing that you kind of missed on him a little bit was his receiving ability. The guy shows smooth hands outside the backfield. And so – Remember Antonio Gibson, their their most dynamic player last year that got picked up by the Redskins? He showed that ability to be a really dual-threat type of runner-slash-receiver. So I look at Kenneth Gainwell and take the exact opposite, like in the sense of Antonio Gibson was a very, very good receiver with the ability to run the football. I think Kenneth Gainwell is a really, really good running back with the ability to be a pretty dynamic receiving threat as well. So he's extremely fast. I will say this, man. I've now watched three uh, game tapes on him probably over the last three or four days. The dude's not 5'11". Like, he might be 5'9". Like, he, he's a little bit smaller of a guy, and I think that's going to when – he, when he goes to the combine, I think everyone's going to realize that, that he's 5'9", 5'10", tops, which isn't a big, big deal. I mean, he's still, he's still a good size for a running back. But, dude, he's, just, he's such a natural runner. I mean, you're not a redshirt freshman put up those stats not having a natural running ability that he does. I think the sky is the limit for him. I worry that if he does come out next year with that stacked running back class, uh, that he will fall into the draft. He'll fall deeper in the draft. I think it'll be smarter for him to stay one more year. And then if he has the same production next year, when we have the same preview show next summer, we're going to talk about him as the top three running back, if not the top running back coming back in college football. 
But I think the smart thing for him, stay, stay one more year, even if he does yeah. replicate the, the for the production he had last year, because this guy has it all. He's fast. He has the ability to uh, read his blockers. He's patient when he needs to be. He's got the receiving threat ability outside of the backfield that we all love and that you need in t- today's NFL. Like if you have that ability in today's NFL, the way they've run these offenses now, it just makes you that much more valuable. It brings the va- the running back position back to what it used to be and the value that it used to be. That I think it's lost a little bit, you know, three or four years ago. So. Absolutely, my favorite player probably in the AAC. And, dude, I mean, he's, like you said, Doak Walker, potential player for that award. I mean, I absolutely agree that he could absolutely win it this year. Yeah, no, nah, he's certainly in the conversation as one of, one of the best running backs in all of college football and certainly a guy that all defensive coordinators are going to lose sleep to when they play Memphis this year. There's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, he's that good. He's that talented. Uh, and, you know, he really kind of falls into that category in – you know, Memphis really being running back you, I mean, it's getting up there. I mean, they, they always produce solid running backs, uh, running backs that have been drafted, running backs that are in the NFL, running backs that have productive NFL careers, and, of course, are just totally dynamic at the FBS level. So uh, something to keep an eye on, guys. Make sure Kenneth Gainwell, this is not the last time you heard of him. I can tell you that. 600 yards receiving, man. 600. 51 receptions. That's just impressive. It's just impressive, man. And they had a player um, that was better than him, Antonio Gibson. Like, it's not like the whole offense ran through Kenneth Gainwell. Like, they had other options. They had Monte dudes. Coxie, and he still did all that. Unbelievable. I think, I think people sleep on how good Memphis was last year. I mean, my God, man. They were, I mean, they, they were doing freaking State. Cotton Bowl. They was <laughs> yeah. beat Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Um, impressive program. Um, so, all right, Brandon. Let's, uh, before we get to our prospect to walk segment, let's finish up the AAC by some rapid-fire questions and we get better every time we do this it's the third conference we've done this so try to keep your explanation to a minimum allow a sentence if you can keep it to a sentence i'll allow that that's probably one of the best things we can do okay all right you ready let's do it man all right dylan gabriel will be the first quarterback the highest quarterback drafted out of the current 11 quarterbacks when it's all said and done oh yes i 100 uh, the, the improvement he made in one year absolutely shows me he has all the tools to be uh, a day two pick in the NFL draft in two or three years from now. Wow. Okay. Uh, what player do you th- which player do you think is overrated and could see his stock fall big time? I, I would go someone we mentioned a little bit earlier, T.J. Carter, only because I think people have him in like that top thirty, top forty conversation right now, where I think. Uh, the jury's still out. Yeah, they didn't throw a lot of them last year, but if they did target him, you know, twice as much as they did last year, maybe he gets exposed a little bit more. Thanks to some of his limitations on his athletic ability. So I think he's a little bit overrated right now. Otis Anderson, the running back for UCF. So I'm going to throw you off a little bit here. Okay. If you could describe him as an alcoholic beverage, what would it be? <laughs> I love me some alcohol. Um Oh, he's, dude, he's, he's a good running back. I'll say that. Uh, he's another guy that could be potentially picked in the NFL. I, I'm going to go with something. I think you might like this. Uh, yeah, not what's – I'll go moonshine, man. Moonshine, like a good moonshine from, like, the, like the, the good parts of, of uh, Virginia. He's smooth, and, like, he only takes a, a few shots before he's gone, man. Like, it only takes him a few opportunities before that dude is gone, just like uh, moonshine. You take a few shots of that, and you'll be gone. <laughs> The corniest thing I've ever. I, that should be a dad joke. It, it should like be. But dude, the guy's explosive. Like to <laughs> to kind of translate a little bit more. Like the guy, like if you only give him the ball a few times, like it's only before a matter of time that guy literally just explodes 
and kind of is like a very dynamic player for UCF. So Otis Anderson is another player absolutely to keep your eye out on for. Lo- love Otis Anderson. So you heard it here first, guy. I think that's our first alcohol question. Moonshine. First booze question. Yeah, I like it. All right. I don't know moonshine is smooth, though. Not Some moonshine can be a little uh, – mm. I, puts a, puts I mean, a little hair on your chest. <laughs> I mean, it, it just depends on where you get it, who makes it, and you could do the legal moonshine. That stuff's smooth, but it's not. That's not like real moonshine. Yeah, that takes a few more shots. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So, what, um, you know, if you guys are just new to the show, uh, we always end all of our pods by a prospect to watch. So this again, maybe a prospect that you're not that familiar with, or Mel Kiper. Or, or whatever draft expert that you choose to listen to on either side of the aisle has covered yet. But we like to identify these guys early and often uh, just to educate all of our listeners on a, on a guy you should take a look in 2020 that could creep up some draft boards, uh, you know, day two and in some situations, day one picks. Uh, so, Pastel, this week we have Kylan Granson, senior tight end out of SMU. Tell us a little bit about him. Yeah, so I think there's a lot more players, by the way, in the AAC. I wish we had a lot more time to really dive deeper on on a lot of these players. So just because we didn't have that time, I think I wanted to keep it a little bit more to the AAC instead of going to another conference. So Kylan Granson, senior tight end. Out of the best community, like you said, he's six foot three, a little bit on the lighter end. He's 235 pounds. But you know why that is? Because he was once a receiver in college. Like he went to Rice initially, then he transferred over to SMU. And really last year was like his – like welcoming home party. Like it, it was unbelievable. The guy has 721 yards receiving. He had 43 catches. He averaged 16.8 yards per catch. And I was watching, like I said, that Memphis game uh, just earlier today and a little bit yesterday. And man, like some of the catches he had, I was like, dude, that's, that's not a tight end. Like that is absolutely a receiver twerking his body in different directions that most tight ends you can't see do. So I think he's one of those guys that, especially with that receiving background, the guy's got blazing speed, man. He's got unbelievable athleticism. His route running is probably way better than what you would think for a tight end. He's got the hands. He's, he's good from the receiving aspect of a tight end. Now, at 235, still learning the position a little bit, I think what you see him struggling is the obvious. He's not the greatest blocker. He's not the greatest end line blocker. He's a little bit light. He gets pushed around a little bit too much, which isn't a big deal on that type of offense. But when you translate that to the NFL, I can see that being a little bit more of a problem. Uh, the, he, he's going to need to gain probably another 10 pounds just to kind of deal with those those defensive ends or outside linebackers coming in when they ask him to kind of, you know, chip a guy or block a guy instead of going out into a, a, a route. So Kylan Granson, extremely good uh, tight end from SMU. I think he's got the potential. And please go back and look at some of these games. Go look at his highlights if you don't want to watch a full game. And you will understand why I say, like, he has the potential to be a late second round, early third round pick. Like, he is that type of potential and next year's tight end class. Love it. Love it. Again, and, and, you know, anything when it comes to SMU in the passing game, I mean, they, I would say for the last 10 years, they've really put out decent NFL talent when it comes to receivers. I understand he's a tight end in this situation, but really a guy that, you know, 2019 really had a fantastic season. You know, like you said, 43 receptions, nine touchdowns as a tight end. I mean, that, that's, I mean, that, that's productivity at the Division One level and certainly can't wait to see kind of his athleticism on display here in 2020 really kind of take the AAC by storm and, and see what he can, you know, see what he can do during the draft process. So, all right, Pat, so let's, let's wrap it up here. So, again, you can always follow the show, interact with us on social media. That's at Prospects101Pod. That's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always posting all of our episodes and content 
uh, throughout the week in order uh, for all of our fans to and all of our listeners to be up to date with our most recent episodes. Like I said, this is the AAC Prospects uh, pod, but again, we got lots of great college football content coming up still as we approach the 2020 season, which I know it's hard to believe with all this bad news out there, but for the most part with Division One FBS, it's still on, even though some stuff has been delayed until October. Uh, so as long as that hasn't been delayed, we're going to keep going, man. So, uh, you know, again, we're always posting throughout the week there. Obviously, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to stay up to date. A lot of great content coming up, as I've said earlier. I would say the most important things to spread the word is to make sure you guys give us a five-star review on whatever platform that you have. Make sure you subscribe, download, listen. But reviews always help us. They're always flattering from what we get. Uh, but it also uh, allows those podcast platforms to understand that, hey, this is a, a really good podcast for football fans, for uh, you know high school football fans, college football fans, and NFL draft fans as well. So for Pastel, for Gless, let's get out of here. We'll talk some more college football here next week.